Good morning. I'm so grateful to be here. Um, I hope you don't mind that I'm wearing a t-shirt. It's my church 214 t-shirt. I tried on like 10 shirts this morning, and I was like, no, nothing. And so I was like, I'm just going to go with my t-shirt. And then I honestly felt like God told me to share something, and that this church, it's not just about where we meet. It's not about just the messages or the songs that we sing. It is about each and every single one of you, and you have a purpose. And if you call this church, Church 214, your home, God has a purpose for you within this church body. So I just wanted to encourage you in that. And if you're not sure where you would fit, like what your gifts are, what your talents are, there's a team of people here that would help you figure that out. So just reach out to some of us. All right, will you pray with me? God, thank you for these people here today. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just come and rest here. I pray that you would speak through me and that you would help us all to stay focused and keep our eyes and our ears, our, yes, our eyes on you and our ears open to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Communication is really important. And God is the ultimate communicator. In fact, he's been speaking since the very beginning. He's spoken through the prophets. He speaks through his creation. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. And he speaks through his Holy Spirit, which has been given to all believers at the moment of salvation. And he also speaks through his word, the Bible. And in my honest opinion, if you're not spending a decent amount of time in his word, I think that it makes it really difficult to hear him in other ways. And I know for me, in my life, the Bible is one of the main ways God has spoken to me. And I want to tell you a story because it's a good story. And number two, because it's an example of how God's word has worked in my life when it comes to battling our enemy, when it comes to spiritual warfare. So as some of you know, my dad killed himself when I was 20 years old. And I want to clarify something real quick about suicide because, or about my dad, because I feel like there's a misconception when it comes to suicide sometimes. So my dad was not someone who had a history of depression. He was not an alcoholic. He didn't do drugs. In fact, he was a successful business owner in our town who was well-respected, well-liked. He had a good group of friends, good family, and he was married to his high school sweetheart for almost 24 years when it seemed like overnight that marriage ended, and he was completely overcome by that, overcome to the point of taking his own life. And then, of course, that tragedy through my life and my family's life just so off track, and, you know, there was a lot of dysfunction that came out of that. I was living my life with zero direction, for several years, making stupid choices. But eight years after my dad died, I heard the, a message. I heard the word of God, and it caused me to move. It caused me to move not only spiritually, but physically move to the front of the church that day and give my life to Jesus. And then what happened after that, um, literally like right away, I started having horrific demonic nightmares. Because see, once I made that decision, something was shaken up in the spiritual realm that was now affecting me in the natural realm through my dreams. I was moving towards God, 
and there was opposition. There was something that did not want me to go that way. So I was having these nightmares almost every single night for several years, and when Brennan was a baby and Jared was at work, I woke up from one of these nightmares, and like many times before, I laid there frozen in fear. And I know some of you can attest to this, because I know some of you have dealt with these types of dreams, but I would lay there frozen in fear because I could sense and feel an evil presence right there to the point that I thought, if I reach out, I'm going to touch it. It's terrifying. So that night, I'm laying there frozen in fear, but this time, I also started to feel mad and angry. And I ended up throwing the covers back, I turned the lights on, and I grabbed my Bible, and I just got up and started walking through my home. And I was praying and talking to God. I was saying things out loud like, I command the spirit of fear to leave in the name of Jesus. I command the spirit of torment to leave in the name of Jesus, and on and on. And then I stopped, and I got upset because I realized how full of doubt I really was. And so I cried out to God right there, and I said, God, I have to know. I need to know, do these things really have to leave in your name? Do I really have authority in your name? And the only thing I knew to do was to open my Bible, and so that's what I did. And it was not bookmarked. I'm not exaggerating. I opened my Bible, and my eyes fell to this verse, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. I about fell over right then. But it goes on to say, he, Jesus, replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. God... Yeah, that, that moment was a life changer for me. God spoke directly to me in that moment. I asked him a question, and he was faithful to answer me. Where did he answer me? In his word. And that revelation of the authority that's been given to me through him changed the way I handle those things. I don't have nightmares like that very often anymore, but I can tell you this. When I do, I do not lay there frozen in fear I move in power and authority, and instead of being overcome, I overcome the enemy by the truth of God's word, the living, powerful truth in this book. Hebrews 4.12, this is my favorite verse. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The word of God is a living, moving, breathing, supernatural thing. You guys, this book is not just a book where you go to gain some knowledge. It's supernatural. When you read it, something happens. That's beyond our comprehension. And when you spend time here, it will build your faith. This is where we should begin. This is where your identity as a Christian is revealed. This is where Jesus Christ is revealed. And I honestly don't think that we as Christians will walk in power if we don't first arm ourselves with the truth. 
And I really believe that's a reason that a lot of Christians are living defeated, sad Christian lives is because we are not meditating on God's word. We're not eating the bread of life. We're not filling ourselves up with and the living waters that are in these pages. John 8, 31 through 32 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word... You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth, and you'll have freedom. All right, so what's the opposite of truth? Lies. Who did Jesus say was the father of lies? Satan. John 8, 44, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And Jesus, of all people, knew how Satan operated. He knew, you know, what the main weapon that Satan used was. Chris talked about this in his message a few weeks ago um, in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was out in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, and who shows up? Satan shows up, and he's trying to entice Jesus. He's trying to manipulate Jesus into giving in and giving up, right? And at one point, Satan even uses scripture out of context, of course, but he uses it to try to get Jesus to throw himself off the highest point of the temple, try to kill himself. And every time that the enemy spoke to Jesus, Jesus replied, with it is written, and then he would proceed to quote scripture in its truth. Jesus battled Satan with the word. He defeated Satan with the word. You guys, we have an enemy who is constantly throwing lies at us, constantly trying to draw us into deception, and if we don't know the truth, how will we recognize the lies? Jesus knew that in order for believers to walk in the truth and the freedom and the peace that he offers us, we would need to abide and remain and meditate on his word. But I have a question for you. How many of you find it really hard to read God's word, to spend a significant amount of time in the word of God? You, you tell yourself things like this. Okay, here's a few. Maybe you say, you know what? I'm a good Christian. I go to I'm faithful going to church every Sunday. I hear God's word. That's enough. Or you have a daily devotional or a verse of the day that you're faithful reading, you know, every day. You think that's enough. Maybe you tell yourself this. You tell yourself, you know what? I don't really understand it when I read it, so there's really no point. Do you know that every single one of those thoughts is a lie? Who did we just say was the father of lies? That would be Satan. Now, why would the devil want to keep you out of the word of God? Could it be that it's the most powerful weapon given to us that we can defeat him with? The Bible tells us that the word of God is the sword of the spirit, and that's found in that Ephesians chapter on the armor of God. And you guys, it's not only a defensive weapon, but it's the only offensive weapon. We fight our battles with the truth found in God's word. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says this, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. 
On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I love everything about those verses, but I absolutely love that it talks about our thoughts. We forget our thoughts matter. What is going on up here matters. And how can we make our thoughts obedient to Christ if we don't even know what he's telling us? So, of course, the enemy wants to keep you out of the word. Because when you pick up the most powerful weapon given to you and you start feeding your soul with it and you start quenching your spiritual thirst with it, that's when you will start walking in a power and boldness that will push him back and send him running. That's when you'll start moving. The word of God is living and active, and if you're in it, you cannot help but be active and move with it. And when we're moving in the power and authority that comes from knowing and believing the truth of God's word, that's when we'll start advancing onto the enemy's territory. That's when we'll stop just playing defense, and we'll start going after the things that the enemy has stolen from us. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And I believe that he starts with the stealing to try to accomplish his ultimate goal of destroying us. Listen to what God tells David about how to handle it when you've been robbed by the enemy. 1 Samuel chapter 30, so David and his men were away from their camp. And while they were gone, an enemy came in and stole what belonged to them, including their women and children, their families. And when they get back, the Bible says they were weeping and wailing and distraught, crying out to God. And scripture says this, David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Okay, ready for God's response? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed. When we arm ourselves with the truth of who we are and whose we are, we can confidently pursue our enemy. We need to start taking back what is ours. We have been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We have been given power and authority over our enemy. And guess what? God gives you permission to take back what he's stolen. You can take back your joy. You can take back your hope and your peace and your faith. What about taking back the confidence that you once had in his promises? And how are you going to do that? By the living, moving sword of the Spirit, because Satan cannot stand the truth. The truth always defeats him. And when we've spent time in prayer and spent time with God in his word, that's when we will cause the darkness to tremble. But a lot of Christians, in fact, probably most Christians, never walk in that kind of power and authority because they have no truth to overcome the lies with which is really sad because so many of us, including myself, are facing some pretty big battles. And I know that some of you today are sitting here and you feel already defeated. And there's a lot of reasons, you guys, that, you know, things that happen in life that cause us to feel that way. Here's a few. 
marriage problems, relationship issues, you feel abandoned or alone, you've been hurt or abused, um, you've lost a child, you've lost someone you love. Maybe it's things like depression or anxiety that come on you, sickness, or you're watching someone you love suffer from a sickness. Do you ever think, no matter what it is, do you ever think you can find strength for your battle here? Or is this the last place you think to turn to? Because I'm just going to give you a few reasons why Satan is trying to keep you from turning to Scripture for help. So these verses are all from Psalm 119. Verse 25, I lie in the dust, revive me by your word. God's word will revive you. It will start your heart back up. Verse 28, I weep with sorrow, encourage me by your word. I can attest to this. God's word has encouraged me through my brother's death. Verse 81, I am worn out waiting for your rescue, but I have put my hope in your word. God's word brings hope. Verse 92, if your instructions, your word, hadn't sustained me with joy, I would have died in my misery. Your misery can turn to joy by the power of God's word. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. You guys, God's word directs us. It shows us what to do, where to go, how to handle life. Verse 165, last one. Those who love your instructions, your word, have great peace and do not stumble. Billy Graham said this about God's word. This is so good. Oh, that we would hunger to be filled with the word of God, for there is no greater armor, no greater strength, no greater assurance that he is with us and in us when we go forth in battle, equipped and nourished by his instruction and determined to stand firm on his promises. There is no greater armor. And I know for myself, if it hadn't been for the word of God, I honestly don't know where I would be. I've, just like many of you, I have had battles in my life. I've had to face some battles. I've come against the lies of the enemy, especially in the past several months. Last December, my brother Rich killed himself. And it's been hard. And I've had to hash a lot of things out with God. You guys, I have asked him so many questions. And I have put a lot of trust in what he's shown me by his word. So I had a couple of months after my brother died, you know, I would just stand and do this. I'd be like, really, God? Really? Have you ever done that? Really? This is what I get? These are the cards that have been dealt to me? This is my life? Really? Both my dad and my brother died by their own hands. Two men who had so much to live for killed themselves? Help me understand this, God. Help me understand. And do you know what conclusion I've come to? through prayer and through God's word and talking to God. Yes, technically they died by their own hands, but God said, what does the bigger picture look like? 1 Peter 5.8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. A real enemy who uses lies and deception and confusion to destroy us. And you guys, sometimes we make it easy for him to do that. 
Because we don't even recognize when our battle is a spiritual one, so we just keep fighting like the world fights. And when I look at that verse, I take it literally. Satan wants to consume us, wants to devour us, and I think of my dad and my brother. I have very little doubt that suicide is directly of Satan. And this is important. If you have ever even had a thought like I would just rather die, that is not even your own thought. You need to take that thing captive and you cast it back down to hell where it came from. That is from the enemy. Because think of this when it comes to suicide. How excited it must make the devil when he torments a person to murdering himself or herself. It's his ultimate revenge against the God in whose image we're created. It's destroying God's image. Satan is not a quitter. He does not give up. He will use anything and everything he can against you because he wants you to question your faith. He wants you to question the goodness of God because he wants you to feel hopeless so that you'll ultimately give up. And all of those things have come against me in the past several months. And do you know how I have battled those? With the word of God, with the truth. At the beginning of my message, I was talking about how God is a communicator. And I believe that he also um, can speak to us through dreams sometimes. And I know that he's done that for me several times. And a few weeks ago, I had a dream that I was surrounded by demonic forces and it was dark out, and it was kind of stormy, and there was super strong wind. And Satan was there. I couldn't see him, but I knew he was there. And there was the super strong headwind. And I turned myself into it, because that's the direction Satan was. I turned myself into it, leaned in with all my might, and I started putting one foot in front of the other. And I remember how hard it was, but I was advancing. I was going towards my enemy. And in my dream, I shouted, you will not have my son. And I knew that God gave me that dream to make me very aware I am not just fighting for myself. My battle is not just about me. Your battle is not just about you. I'm also fighting for my children. I had Brennan's permission to share this. Um, so Brennan, who's 10... He's had a really hard time with his Uncle Rich's suicide. I've had to see him walk through some really deep sorrow and deep loss, which I know is normal, and I understand it, but it's been hard to watch him go through that. And two days after that dream, two days after that dream, before bedtime, Brennan was not only crying and sad about his Uncle Rich, but this time he was expressing doubt that God cares for him, and doubt that God hears him. Can I just tell you what that did inside of me? Mm, mm -mm, not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. And so we're talking through all this at bedtime, and I'm trying to navigate the conversation, and inside I'm like, God help me, God help me. And then Brennan says this. He says, Mom, I ask God all the time to help me not be scared at night, but I'm still scared. He's not helping and so then I just felt helpless, and I'm like, okay, I just got to open the word. So I told Brennan, I said, you know what, let's open the Bible and see what God has to say. So I opened to Psalm 16, and I said, Brennan, pick a number between one and, and he just said seven. And I was like, okay. 
Psalm 16, 7 says this, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. And Brennan's eyes got real wide. We looked at each other and we're like, God just spoke to you. God is saying, Brennan, there's nothing to fear. I dwell in your heart and I cause your heart to instruct you even at night. God spoke to Brennan. Where? Through his word. And you guys, listen, don't misunderstand me and think that I'm saying that the Bible is like your magic eight ball. It's not. It's meant to be studied and meditated on. But God will do that sometimes. He will use his word at just the right time in just the right situation to encourage you and lift you up. And that's what he did for Brennan. Brennan was really encouraged by that. So the next day, I decided to read all of Psalm 16 because I couldn't really recall what that psalm was about. And in verses 5 through 6, it says, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And you guys, to be honest, when I read that, I thought to myself, like many of you might, well, that's nice. I don't feel like things have fallen in pleasant places. It doesn't feel like this life is very delightful. And then later that day, I opened my Bible because I was going to flip to the New Testament to read. But before I did that, I noticed this heading, and it said, The Boundaries of the Land. And I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to read it. And it's out of Ezekiel 47. It says, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. These are the boundaries by which you are to divide the land for an inheritance among the 12 tribes of Israel with two portions for Joseph. You are to divide it equally among them because I swore with uplifted hand to give it to your forefathers. This land will become your inheritance. And I knew God was speaking to me. He was reminding me that I have an inheritance and my inheritance belongs to my kids. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, the enemy has been stealing from my family and been stealing from me for quite a while now. He's got some things in his camp with my name on it, and I'm going after him. So what about you? What things are in the enemy's camp that have your name on it? Because as Chris said, and Paul reminded us today, we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. We just have to move. We just have to do our part. I am claiming my inheritance. I'm going after it. Are you going to go after yours? And listen, I know the greatest inheritance that we could have as Christians is heaven, the promise of heaven. But I am also talking about the good things that God has for us right now, right here, today, in this life. Immovable faith, unwavering hope, a peace beyond understanding. A life that is filled with joy and goodness and love and peace. That verse in John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus follows that up with, But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And listen, that word, abundant, in this verse is from the Greek, parason, meaning exceedingly, very highly, beyond measure, a quantity so abundant as to be considerably more than what one would expect or anticipate. We have an abundant 
inheritance. But sometimes we sit back and we allow our enemy to cross over those boundary lines and take what is ours. But God says, pursue them and you will certainly overtake them and succeed. Will it always be easy? No, because Satan will push back. There might be some headwinds coming your way. And what are those? What are the headwinds in your life that the enemy is using to try to keep you from advancing, to try to keep you out of his territory? Because whatever those are, those are the things you need to lean into, right? Lean into it. Move through it with your God-given weapons. Arm yourself with the truth of God and pursue your enemy because there is success and freedom at the end. As we close here, um, I'm going to read Psalm 18, 28 through 40, because I think it is such a great depiction of what it should look like when we are using our divine weapons to fight our battles, what it should look like when we're fighting our battles through the power and strength of God. And then Phil's going to sing a song at the end. And during this song, you guys, I just want us all to be asking God, talking to God, and saying, God, show me the things where I've allowed the enemy to come in and steal from me. And then show me what it is I need to do to advance and take those things back. Psalm 18, 28 through 40. You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory, and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. You broaden my path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You made my adversaries bow at my feet. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight, and I destroyed my foes.